All right, Chandler, this is a very exciting moment. Truly our most exciting moment to date. Possibly the pinnacle of this podcast is happening right now. We are joined by Angie Harrington. The Hi, guys. Angie. The absolutely enigmatic and I would say beguiling Angie Harrington. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I just love an alliteration. You guys are so nice. I'm just excited to be hanging out with you guys. I would love to be the number, what, five, six Bledsoe sister? Oh. I'm just um, not as doe-eyed and blonde as I should be. But other than that, I would love to. I think Deborah would die to have you as a Bledsoe I was sister. just going to say, She'd I'm like, adopt you. I'm pretty sure our mom favors you above like even Lauren or I, so you're more than welcome. <laughs> what about Wyatt? Does she like me more than Wyatt? No. <laughs> that, that is not safe for anyone. Wyatt definitely gets the top tier. That's so funny. Do you know when I fa- you know when I realized I love Deborah Bledsoe? When? Okay. When was the first time I met her, I, I was at Sunday brunch and you guys just happened to be there. I don't know if you ladies were there, but uh, Courtney and Wyatt were there with Deb. Yeah. And I looked at her plate and sitting next to her meal was a bowl. And I look in and there's a cinnamon roll with melted butter poured over the top. And I was like, I called her on it immediately. I was like, where did you get the melted butter? <laughs> She's like, oh, I just asked the guy in the back to melt it. I'm like, you are my kind of a girl. <laughs> That's when I knew I loved her. Wait, I remember, I re- totally remember that. I think this one, I think that might be my earliest memory of Angie Harrington. At the time, Angie Wilson? Yeah, probably. Back in the day. But I remember that moment at Sundance. And that's just so funny because our mom, she had zero and still has zero like concern in uh-huh. any way when it comes to eating for any health concerns. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Never expressed any sort of nutritious like any sort of concern for nutrition. <laughs> that is so funny, which is funny because I feel like she's like good. She's always got some good diet she's working or well, something. That's, well, that's yes. the thing. It's, it's either like the point of eating is to eat as deliciously as possible, but also be as thin as possible for mm-hmm. in our in Bledsoe world or in her world. She sounds like Courtney. I also just love the fact that she would pester some poor waiter for like melted butter to like run back to like melt something in the microwave. That's something that she's never been ashamed to do (laughs) in her life. When I, when we were in France, we were like getting a crepe in Paris because of course we, you have to do that. And she was like, she was telling the guy big butter, Big butter, big <laughs> butter. And he was going like, he was trying to tell her to say it in French. She was going, beurre, beurre. I guess that's butter or whatever. <laughs> but she wasn't catching on to that. So she kept just saying it louder. Big butter, big <laughs> butter. Like a woman who puts butter on her flakes of butter is so right up my alley. I yes. love it. Even oh if God. it's just one bite, it's got to be the right bite. It's got to be perfect. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. That's awesome. How are you guys? I honest, I'm so happy for you guys. I feel like you guys are killing it on this podcast. It's so fun to watch. So I don't know if your audience knows Courtney is one of my best friends. And so I feel like I know you guys through Courtney. And then Chandler worked for me very briefly. And she was such a cute assistant. And I still feel bad. I feel like I didn't pay you enough. Oh my gosh. Well, what people don't know is that Angie literally saved my butt. Because 
I like came back from a study abroad and where I was working was like, yeah, we don't really need another server right now. And Angie like overheard me like telling Courtney about how worried I was. I was literally selling my Apple watch. Like I was like, I can't, I don't have any money. (laughs) And then Angie was like, like you honestly didn't even need me, but you're like, I could use an assistant and then gave me like the most flexible, amazing job. So truly Angie, you saved my life. My last year of college. You're so nice. I was living in the Marriott, Provo Marriott at the time, (laughs) mind you. Because Chris and I had just got married and we couldn't find a house. <laughs> I remember this. Just spending a solid 15000 a month at the Provo Marriott. <laughs> wait, wait. I had no idea about this. That's... Why? How did that even happen? We were living there thinking we're going to find a house. And we were supposed to close on a house and it fell through. Yes. Which ended up being a blessing in disguise. So we thought we would be there just a couple weeks. And they had te- they were the only place that had Tesla chargers. <laughs> oh my. I was going to say, why the Provo Marriott? <laughs> and we're trying to reduce our carbon footprint. So we're like, okay, awesome. So we go there and at two rooms, adjoining rooms, it was costing us twelve to $15,000. Oh, oh my gosh. And Chandler would come that meet me. I know, it's dark. Chandler would come meet me in the lobby at the Provo Marriott and we'd work <laughs> together. <laughs> I always felt so fancy. I'm like, I've got to take a meeting at the Marriott this afternoon. <laughs> and they had a Starbucks. I can't complain. I would walk downstairs in my slippers and go to Starbucks. It was fun. They had a cute little bar too. Mm-hmm. I'd go back there happily. Yeah, me too. Why not? Anyway. Fun fact about the Provo Marriott, I used to live in a building on Center Street that's like on the same like uh, corner or not corner, but like the same kind of block area. Anyway, Provo Marriott was directly behind my apartment. So I would leave my apartment on Center Street. I would walk to the Provo Marriott at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock or whenever. And I would just pretend like I was like somewhere cosmopolitan, like just sitting at that white marble, like remodeled, but still semi-dated bar. Totally. It probably felt pretty posh. I love it. Hey, you know what's funny? I was actually surprised the amount of VIPs that would roll in and out of Provo. I would really? see them like coming. Yeah, there were a few celebrities that were there when I was there. It was pretty. Like who? Anybody, um, anybody notable? So they, Amer- they did American Idol auditions right next door at the convention center. So I believe it was like the producers and the judges maybe. Really? And funny story, I'm an American Idol reject, by the way. Oh, no, I did not try out that year. <laughs> I was like a mother of two. I tried out <laughs> 10 years over. <laughs> I did not I pop over and try. I tried out 10 years earlier when I wanted to be Faith Hill. And yeah, <sighs> but that was a side Perfect note. Pursuit, truly. Exactly. And then I think they were having the Love Loud concert and I all the like rock stars from that. Yes stayed there too which is funny because they're all friends with my girlfriend Stephanie who runs in circle okay and so I told her I told before I had met them through her events she was like I told her I'm like I was at the Provo Marriott when they did their first Love Loud concert and I thought it was such a big deal (laughs) (laughs) it was a big deal but is this like Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons like who what other big bands played at Love Loud it was so it was the neon trees. Oh yes, yes, Tyler Glenn. Exactly. And then it was yeah, Dan Reynolds and then like she often has like works with Tim Cook, the Apple CEO. Oh, she wow. works with a ton of celebrities who have ties to the LGBTQ community, right. which is awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm like sold on Problem Marriott. I think I'm going to move out of Courtney's house for it's, my last week and stay there. It's more posh than you might think. Yeah, truly. Really. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, Angie, should we give our listeners kind of like a little bit of a bio of sure. if they don't follow you or if they're not, you know, if they're not following, I guess, all things Real Housewives, Salt Lake City and adjacent? Because even though you're not on Housewives, there's still internet rumors and you're like on several Reddit threads with your yes. photo as like okay. a potential cast member. Right. So people know about you. You obviously have your super successful fashion blog. So tell us, can you give us like a one minute, then this might be super hard and annoying to do, but just like a synopsis, like how you got to the Provo Marriott. (laughs) (laughs) How one went came so far from being just a middle class gal. Exactly. (laughs) I, okay, just briefly, I grew up in Provo, went to Timview High School, total Provo girl. And then I went to BYU and UVU. Let's not kid ourselves. I didn't get into BYU initially. And I I was on the pursuit of boys, if I'm being honest. I was not there for school. I was there to hunt down the boys. And so I went to college. And then, you know, I did what every good Mormon girl does. You get married. And I didn't finish college. I still have a year left, actually. But I married Brett. He was my first husband. We're still good friends now, so I feel comfortable talking about this. But I married Brett, who was at BYU at the time. And we traveled in the early years of our married life. We lived in Europe for a little while, and then we lived in the Bay Area, and then we lived in Utah. We we have two awesome boys that are so funny and fun, Rome and Cole. It's so darling. Oh I can gosh. attest to Roman Cole being like mini use. Like they're so fun. <laughs> Thank you. That's nice of you to say, I think. I mean, yeah. sometimes I'm like, you guys are too much like me. And Chris has, Chris is like our sound, the voice of reason around our house. <laughs> but so Brett and I, unfortunately, not everything worked out. We got divorced. And then I don't know, professionally, I, I grew up, I was a professional dancer for a little while I got when after my divorce, I couldn't really dance anymore because that has a shelf life. So Mm. after our divorce, I wanted to stay or during our while we were married, I wanted to stay in the performing arts. So I got into acting and modeling Brett's family. That's what all his sisters did. So they inspired me to get into that world because they were making some good money. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a little while. And that supported me as a single mom after Brett and I divorced while I was going to school. Now, second time around going to school, 10, 15 years later, I was yeah. serious as a heart attack in school because I was paying my own way. Yeah. And I was like a 4.0 student all of a sudden, whereas 15 years earlier, you, I wouldn't even go to class if there was a cute boy in the hall. So, funny. so <laughs> I remember when I went back, I felt like the smart, listen, 10 years on all those students. Oh, yeah. You are a whole lot smarter. I would like, <laughs> yeah. I, would, I felt the teacher, the professors really knew how to boost my ego. I would raise my hand and I'd like make a comment and he'd be like, Angie, could you speak up and say that again? And I'd be like, of course. Yeah. And <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. Just like I was full of wisdom. Yeah. Full of wisdom. So that really did something for my ego going Wait, to college Angie, the second time. Wait, Angie, what were you time. studying? Oh, still a lot of generals. <laughs> I love it. But my major changed a few times. It was dance, then it was history, and then I decided I needed to be sensible. So then I think I, lastly, it was marketing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so I was still in that world of acting and modeling, going to school, supporting my kids, dating after divorce, which was so interesting. Let me tell you, Courtney can attest, she was there for a lot of it. 
and then meeting meeting my second husband and now we have another boy and yes for whatever reason there is rumor well I think I know why but there is rumor I uh, my name got put in the press about being on housewife season one Mm -hmm. so that's where the madness started it had nothing to do with me I certainly didn't put that out there I was surprised as everyone else to see the articles come rushing in and the write-ups and the press and everything that was surprising to me Right. But yeah, so that's where we're at now. Did that was that a decent bio? Perfect. Yeah, that that was amazing. Thank you. Okay. If someone asked me to do that, I'd be like, oh, really? It's gonna be stressful. So you did a great <laughs> job. Thanks. I okay. So I want to get back to you saying that dating was interesting because I feel like there's probably a treasure trove of stories there. But real quick, because everyone wanted to know when they when we solicited questions, were you considered for casting on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Honestly, it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And probably I could say on both ends, it just wasn't the right time. I just, heart was, I think I was pregnant and then heart was like a few months old. The only, I was literally like still bleeding from my C-section. Sorry if that's that's TMI. Yeah. Definitely not the right time to be like filming. Exactly. But my dear friend is on it. And it was so fun to support her through it and watch her go through the process. And like season two, you know, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more open. I'll just say that. Okay. Okay. Is that good? I love it. And naturally this goes without saying once they've cast their entire cast, all they need now are certain roles to fill. Mm-hmm. So there's no guarantee. Are they going to need someone Mormon? Are they going to need someone ethnic? Are there certain, it just depends on their needs. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um. Okay. That actually brings up another question because someone, and a few people actually asked this, they asked if you're LDS, is that something com- you're comfortable addressing? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. So I am LDS by heritage. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate the church. I grew up in a very Mormon household. My dad was a bishop or a branch president oh, wow. four or five times, maybe. And he is an extremely black and white member of the church. My mom's a lot more re- relaxed. In fact, very relaxed over the years. So it's been interesting to see their dynamic shift a little bit, but mm-hmm. wor- them be able to work through it. And I think it's been good for both of them. I think it's allowed my dad to relax a little bit and my mom to... Um, they appreciate in, e- in each other that they have the same values and goals now rather than the exact same belief system. Right, for mm-hmm. sure. Which I think is really important. But as far as I go, I still really appreciate the upbringing and the values it gave me. And for the most part, I do live by those. I do drink my coffee, that's for sure. My boys are definitely members and I support that. We still go to church together. But there's certain things that are hard for me to get behind, and I don't have to go into all the details of it, but I guess I can just say I do it my way, and I just live my life as authentically as I can, and I try not to hide anything. Totally. You know, I'm definitely not the type that's going to, like, sneak my coffee into, like, a Diet Coke cup. Yeah. 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 So... I think one of the interesting things about you, you're super beautiful. Like you're just gorgeous and you're also very glamorous. Like you have amazing style and you like just – if you were to look at your Instagram account, you just are like 
so if someone didn't know you I feel like they would just think this girl is just like she is just so stunning has the best style but with what they wouldn't realize is you're incredibly spiritual I think Mm -hmm. like having just chatted with you at dinners and stuff like you are so deep and thoughtful yeah and have just such like a reservoir there. And so I think it's interesting. I would love to know like what the main spiritual influences of your life are. Oh my gosh, that's so nice of you. First of all, thank you. I really appreciate that because that that to me is more important than the glamour and the lifestyle. I that It's a fine line. And I, when I started my Instagram account and my blog, that was something I really wrestled with was that I mm-hmm. didn't want it just to feel superficial. But at the same time, there's this fine line, you know, between it's got to kind of almost look like a magazine. Right. But I mean, yeah, really, you you post one thing that's, you know, too realistic and you lose a bunch of followers. And at the end of the day, this is a business for me. So I have to be strategic and smart. But at the same time, I remember telling the marketing team that I met with, I really want women not to feel like this is just about clothing and fashion. Because mm-hmm. there's so I, I I like you said it's really important to me that I'm deeper than that and so I would say my biggest spiritual influence definitely was my upbringing in the LDS yeah. Church for sure totally. that gave me my foundation and I will always be grateful for that. Since then, I honestly think one of my biggest teachers was my divorce. Getting divorced in one of the most conservative cities in America is not easy, mm-hmm. especially my ex husband was like the most eligible. Mormon bachelor at the time. So everyone knew who he was. And the reason I say that is because he, he was the BYU quarterback, which those who don't know, BYU is like the church's college. And then the yeah. And the football fans, I didn't know that. Yeah. The football, you know how it is. The football fans are so intense and they're so involved and they're celebrities. Yeah. The football, yeah. The football players are celebrities. And then when you're the quarterback, it's like on another level. And so everybody knew and everyone had their opinions and judgments and that was really hard, but it also was a refiner's fire for me and really made me force me to dig deep really. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I would say my biggest spiritual teacher was Eckhart Tolle, ironically, because I saw your new year's (laughs) early. (laughs) You know, I, 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 I was talking to you. I remember at dinner, we were. T- I was talking with you, and this was years ago. This is a dinner with all of Courtney's friends probably in 2017 but or maybe 2015. But anyway, I remember talking to you at dinner, and I was really interested in Buddhism at the time. And you had read whatever book I was reading and like, were like way beyond me that way. And you're like, I want to go to India. And you had like already gone down like so many spiritual paths. So I was just so curious like what what the main teachers were for you. Oh, I would say I'm definitely not. I've definitely like laxed on all that stuff a bit. I haven't had to dig as deep. Let's just put it that way in more recent <laughs> years. But I will say Eckhart Tolle, I'm not kidding you. Uh, the Power of Now and a, a New Earth was life changing. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like Oprah, but her Super Soul Sunday podcast was huge for me. I love listening to Joel Osteen. Yes. I. <laughs> remember like getting in the car with you or going to meet you for to walk around the Provo Rec Center and you would like you would be in the middle of listening to it or you'd have some quote for us and you're (laughs) I feel like you were always in the middle of some sort of like awakening (laughs) like it's true and so obnoxious I'm so no you actually turned me on to Super Soul Sunday I I didn't even know it existed until I met you 
And that's, I feel like that's a great space to find out about a lot of spiritual teachers mm-hmm. without getting so deep and yeah. in right. La Land. It's less about like dogma and it's just more about like how can this appeal to like the, as many people as possible. So I would say the church and my divorce were the biggest catapults into spirituality. It's something I work on all the time. Most days I'm just praying that my kids will close their eyes during the prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that if they did bring you on Housewives, you would bring like a level of depth to the show that I think would be really interesting to watch in the same way that I think Heather Gay is a person with a lot of depth. Mm -hmm. Like she's been through a lot. She's obviously like on her own journey, but you would also bring like another dynamic there, which I think would be really useful. Oh, that's nice. You hope. At the end of the day, I don't think you have any control over your your outcome on what they decide to portray you as, but you would hope it would be flattering. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In that vein, I would love to know, what do you think that Bravo gets right about Utah or like the cast? You could either go either way with this. And what do you think it gets wrong? Oh, that's a good question. I think they got, and I tried to convey this. I think they really did a great thing picking Utah. Mm. If you're going to pick a ski snow winter town area, I think that Utah is great because it's also laced with this thick culture of Mormonism, which is unlike, it's unlike Aspen, it's unlike Breckenridge, it's unlike, you know, British Columbia, it's unlike anything else. And Mm. I think that, I really think, And I don't know that it's been conveyed in the right way, but I really do think the perfection thing is just insane here. And it's funny because, and I'm a victim of it too. Like I'm certainly not above it, but it's funny because I think a lot of people are like, no one's trying to be perfect. No one's trying to be perfect. And I'm just like, if you took a step back and bird's eye viewed on our culture here, it is very perfection driven. And that's not... I'm not necessarily pointing fingers and saying that's the fault of anyone, including the church. I just think it's we become the product of our environment and that's what it fosters. Right. And you're a person who's lived other places besides Provo, even though you were born and raised here. Yeah. Live here now. Like you've seen firsthand how when you live in bigger cities or other places, like you just get such a bigger breadth of people and experiences to like to live amongst and just understand how a bunch of different people live their lives and there's just not one way, one perfect way to do it. Absolutely. It's so true. And it's interesting because here it's like, I find myself fighting all the time. Like my kids, it's, they play the sports, they have to get the grades. They have to play the musical instrument. I grew up dancing, playing piano. I know how to cook. Like most people, it's like they pick one thing here. It's you got to do it all. And so it's interesting. So I will say, I do think there that they are, especially with Heather, Heather's narrative, they're doing a good job at addressing the perfectionism here. Mm -hmm. I do think I will say this, and this isn't pointed at any housewife specifically. I do think I would like to see a little more lifestyle. That's a little bougier. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that um, some of them do definitely bring that. And I do like, you know, I also think you have to have more realistic lifestyle, but here, here in Utah, there are like, you guys know there it's, there's so many beautiful homes. And I just feel like that kind of that eye candy we're missing just a little bit. 
I feel like they they miss some of the definitely some of the more opulent like locations within Utah. Exactly. But I feel like also the season. Like I know they're filming in winter, but for some reason, I feel like they should have almost filmed in the summer or fall because. It just, it's I think, just so in, much prettier. In Utah, like in the January, February months, like it's pretty brown and gray, like everywhere. There's not always snow blanketing everything. Exactly. And I think that's a problem. It almost looks like March weather mm-hmm. on screen all the time. Whereas if you were up in Park City, you'd have a fresh blanket of snow every day, but right. you're not. Sometimes you're in the valley. And so I think that you're missing some of that beautiful scenery plus the luxury that I personally want to see in my reality TV shows. Right. Yeah. I almost feel like the producer, whoever was the main person doing it, they just were like, no, this is this is skiing. This is about snowboarding. Like this is what people think of when they think of Salt Lake City. And so we have to play off that motif. But I mean, Utah itself is so much prettier in non-winter months, in my opinion. No, that's a great point. And even the skiing, like there is more luxurious, beautiful skiing. There's ski lodges that are so gorgeous. And that could just be a matter of filming. You know, some places won't let you film there. Yeah, totally. But I do think we are missing some of the most opulent spaces and scenery that Utah has to offer. Did you not love the opulence of uh, Mary's brunch or lunch at Walter's and the fish on the table? (laughs) I loved it so much. I mean, Walter, let me just... I, I hosted Chris's like 49th birthday party at Walter's and Walter called me to set a menu and it was just like, tr- imagine trying to like understand him over the phone. I couldn't. And he was like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then like, I was like, okay, I, in my mind, I'm thinking like, all right, it's going to be chicken Parmesan, veal. Right. And we get there and it's like some breaded fish. And I'm just like, what did I agree to? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. If you had but, been in person, you would have just kissed your hand the whole time. <laughs> yes, I know. And just pretended like he remembers you. And Chris always says the second he walks out of there, he like clears his throat and has a Jersey accent. It's so true. It's just like a he reminds me of he reminds me of the the Muppet Chef that's like throwing things out of the yes, pot. He's so animated. It's like like how is that not so exhausting every day? I I, I know. It for it. I mean, oh. it, totally. So anyway, think about the opulence of Mary Cosby's house. Is that not the opulence you're describing? I mean, Angie, and alluding to the pinnacle it, of what Utah has to offer. Park City's answer to Trump Tower. I mean, there is no question Mary's wealthy. I will say. Anytime I've seen Mary Cosby in person, you guys, you would be floored at the level of like designer clothing she's got on and the beautiful bag. It's not just like a Chanel bag. It's like that one Chanel bag from that one collection that's shaped like a pyramid. And like, it's just like, yes. And she's got like layers of jewelry. I mean, she really loves fashion and she's a sweet girl. I don't know Mary well, but she's a sweet girl. Okay, this is. I was going to ask this question later on in the episode, but I'm going to give it. I'm going to do it now. Mary F. Kill, Ken Vanderpump, PK, and Robert Senior. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Okay, Mary, Ken Vanderpump. I mean, sure. talk about a loyal lapdog. Right. Probably hook up with PK minus the floating in the pool midday on a floaty. What if Boy George had to also be involved? Uh, and the choice was boy george pk and robert yeah exactly. i think i would go boy george and, and pk 
I don't want to kill Robert. He seems like a sweet guy. Do I have to kill him? We'll kill him and resurrect him. How about yes, that? perfect. <laughs> That's fitting because he has a church. Right. Yeah, totally. That's I'm sure I mean, resurrected. Mary's got go. the power of the tongue, right? or t- she speaks in tongues. I'm sure she could get it done. Do you think we could just go down to her church like this Sunday? Oh, yeah. Is she like still actively preaching? I think there's other preachers as well. I have a friend that used to preach there. Okay. And so I know they do have other preachers, but I honestly know very little about the church. I just know they have very loyal members. Yeah. Very wealthy members too, apparently. Wow. If if that pyramid Chanel bag is an indicator, it would seem so. (laughs) I mean, it was Carl's last collection before he passed. That is, I mean, her house filled all the designer stuff. It just (laughs) was... It like it did give me anxiety only because there was so much in there that was just you could tell not appreciated. Like I would rather live in Whitney's house than Mary's house any day. I think Whitney's house is really pretty. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like bright and pretty. clean and airy for sure. Have you ever dealt with and or with Whitney's dad? Did you ever know about him and his like hair salons or like anything like that? growing up here? I didn't. I had never met or heard of Whitney, but she's, I think she's a few years younger than me. Okay. I know we have a couple mutual friends. I have met Whitney since then, and she's been nothing but kind. Oh, good. Um, She and I actually share the same manager. Oh, no way. Yeah. Lindsay Glickson. She's with Starlicity. She reps, I want to say four of the housewives. She reps a couple of Miss USA's and some like Big Brother and Bachelor contestants. And she, I, I, she signed Whitney after she signed me. And so we have that in common. And this is ironic. I was watching the pilot and Whitney was talking about her LDS roots and said that her great-great-grandfather was Shadrach Roundy who protected the prophet, Joseph Smith. Yes. That is my great-grandfather. No way. I was sitting there. I was like, what? Are we related? So like my dad, uh, every Pioneer Day tells stories about Shadrach Roundy, which is like the most Mormon name you could ever think of. (laughs) And and like my boys and I kind of giggle, like we find it funny. And then he's like being talked about on Bravo. I'm like, (laughs) go Shadrach. The back in the headlines. Exactly. So Seriously. Whitney knows now somehow we're related. We'll have to do the genealogy on that one. Yeah, Ancestry.com. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Another housewives question. Sure. What are your thoughts on Jen Shaw's marketing company and why did you not choose her to rep you or her company (laughs) i don't think she's a talent manager first of all (laughs) stewart could probably do the job though i actually know stewart isn't that funny like from from 10 years ago i saw jen and stewart at a party and i was like stewart and he's one of those guys that's so fun and the minute you see him you can just like chat it's you can meet him once and he's like your best pal. Yeah. He's awesome. And I just love that he's like a background fixture in the whole thing. I and know. then Jen, I have met Jen, I think once. And then we chat every now and then on Instagram. Look, Jen Shaw's is big and bold, her vibe. And I will, t- I will say this. She brings it. She brings it. Whether it's your cup of tea or not. She, she is throwing a big party. She is dressing over the top. Totally. She, like... I do respect that sometimes she probably feels like she's carrying a lot of weight. Totally. She's doing the housewife thing of throwing the massive parties, like driving the storyline to some degree. And yeah, she's, she is doing like the opulent thing to the best of her ability. 
Yeah. And again, like it's, I know it's not everyone's thing. I know some people say it's too over the top, but I think there is a place for one of those in every cast. You can't, you just can't have everyone be that person. Right. I think if I was Jen Shaw, I would be irritated that basically the breakout star, it seems like, or at least the per- the person that a lot of people are very bewitched by, if you want to go back to that, is um, Meredith. And Meredith literally just seems to like just be like the most dignified person. She like gives very little about her life. She yeah. she disengages when conversations get dicey and she basically just like gives Seth like very I don't know sultry glances each episode but somehow she's like the star I feel like of the show and so if I was a Jen Shaw I would be really pissed that Meredith was getting so much attention when Jen Shaw has left it all on the field I can see that actually I see uh, to me I didn't notice Meredith as being the breakout star, but I do think she, I do understand her role. I think she's so beautiful. Yeah, and, she's gorgeous. Yeah, and Meredith, I my dear, so one of my best friends is Lisa Barlow. So I've known Meredith for a few years through Lisa. Right. And I see Meredith at different events that Lisa will throw or dinners. And she's always been so stunning to me, but a little more reserved, a little harder to get to know. And at first I, I thought, I always had this idea, you have to have a huge personality. But then when I saw her sit down and go to dinner with Mary or to have a conversation with someone, I thought, I, I understand her role more now. She mm-hmm. is the non-judgmental friend that also isn't going to throw you under the bus at the same time, which yeah. I find, I, I respect that. That's hard in that group of women. But that's a luxury status or position to be in as a Bravo housewife. I think so too. I do think it's important you have an opinion though. No matter whether you're kind, not, reserved, out there, you do have to have an opinion. You can't always be Switzerland. I think the audience gets tired of that. They definitely get tired of that. And I think that when you're, it feels to me that when you go on a reality show, you have to assume that every part of your life can and will get out there. And you have to accept that and own that. And I'm not saying you have to volunteer information, but you also don't get, in my opinion, you don't get to just walk away and stop talking when something's uncomfortable. Yes. You know, so it's a fine line because I do respect, she has to protect her family and her situation. And I, I respect anyone who's going through something complicated like that. And mm-hmm. you would hope your cast members wouldn't bring that stuff up, but unfortunately they do. Well, and even in this most recent episode, like she disengages like love her as I do, but she disengages even when it's slightly uncomfortable, not even like talking about like her marriage necessarily or like the true nitty gritty. Like if she's caught in any hot water, she quickly backs out and is like, I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just don't, we'll have to see how people respond to that. You know. Yeah. One thing I've been loving to like your point earlier about meeting her through Lisa is the realness of hers and Lisa's friendship. Like I feel like so many housewives cast these days are just friends because of the show. And right. like you can tell with Lisa and Meredith, like they had that moment when she talks about her and Seth being separated, like in the gallery. Right. And Lisa starts crying and it like I was I almost started crying. It was so touching because we've been so starved for like real true friendship connections that existed before the show. Yeah. And so I've just loved seeing them together. I would I I don't know the other girls relationships but I I would dare to say that might be the most authentic friendship. They've definitely been friends for years. And one thing I know about Lisa is Lisa is 
exactly who she is on the show. There is Mm -hmm. nothing, whether you like that or not, that is who she is. She's not playing a role. She's not Mm -hmm. faking it. She's not even faking a storyline to be relevant. She is just being Lisa. Okay, this might be a controversial question. I know that you are good friends with her, so you don't have to answer it. But do your sons use Fresh Wolf body products? (laughs) They actually do. Lisa, (laughs) that's so funny. Lisa sent me a huge box of Fresh Wolf. And my boys are athletes, so all they're concerned about is like the gym and throwing. So most days they don't even get out of Nike or style their hair, which is unfortunate, but they (laughs) They don't. I have to ask them 10 times a day just to brush their teeth. So (laughs) if they have gotten to the point where they are using hair product, it is definitely fresh. It's in their bathroom and they love it. That's amazing. (laughs) It's a a bright spot in this world that like you some that there's a, a young boy uh, like line of hygienic products. Like that's incredible. It's so cute. And Jack and Rome, Lisa's son, they're friends. Oh, they cute. chat all the time on Instagram. And we've been, I've been friends with Lisa since I was 16 years old and she was what, 21 maybe? No. We worked together. Yep. At a call center. Oh my gosh. Classic call center job in Utah. Totally. Angie, you saved me from getting a call center job. Sorry, I have to (laughs) put that out there. But what if you could have met Elisa Barlow? I know, I know. No, but Lisa let me, this is actually really funny. She let me borrow, I was obsessed with the Backstreet Boys and she was just probably like, oh, bless her heart. (laughs) Instead of making phone calls, we'd like, when we would make phone calls, we would sell, but we'd like talk about the clothes we were wearing the whole time. And she, I told her the Backstreet Boys were coming to town and she let me borrow her ID so I could go to the club after hoping no. I would. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's like one of my first memories oh my with Lisa. I borrowed her ID and oh she, we've been great friends ever since. But the funny thing is the girl never stops talking. So like, oh, really? oh no, we don't have a phone call shorter than an hour ever. Oh my gosh. She's one of those. They are sometimes four hours, which is what I love about her sometimes because I can literally put her on speaker and mute and, and vacuum my carpet that and like so then pop it off mute and be like, uh-huh, and then pop it right back on mute again. Wait, like, she – that is hilarious. Yeah. No, she is a talker, but she's so much fun. We love – we talk for hours and it's all over the place. I feel like Lisa is very much like Meredith. Like she is a breakout star in the show and she's so beautiful. But in a way that Meredith holds back, Lisa, Lisa's so funny and witty. Yeah. And she delivers such a lever, level of humor that's just so interesting. Like I just love – I love any scene Lisa is in. Lisa's one-liners are epic, I think. Incredible. Like some of her one-liners – do you know what's funny? I have a secret to tell. Wow. Her, this isn't a secret actually. It's just a little insider. She said, so the day she gave the line or the next day or whatever, the if you if I give you a Chanel necklace and you choke on it, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> oh my God. I had just given her a Chanel necklace for her birthday and she had it. Someone gave it to her at that party. That party was the same night as my Christmas party. Okay. Otherwise, she was going to be at my Christmas party because that's we share a birthday. That's both our birthday. Oh my god! And so I sent her that Chanel necklace up with her assistant and she gave it to her at the party. She's that's totally where I got that line from because you had just given me that Chanel necklace. <laughs> Wait, that funny. is incredible. Some, oh my gosh. Just a little insider tidbit, I guess, if you will. That is so funny. Is the Chanel, that necklace, that line, it's not her 
It's not her tagline. It's not right? her tagline. No, it's just a line that she gave in one of her confessionals, and it like people have made like memes out of it. Totally, I've just seen yeah. it all over the place. So I was yeah. like, is it, is it her tagline? No. Yeah, no, her one-liners are incredible. Wow, you so the genesis of that one-liner is Angie Harrington. This is a hot or Chanel or Carl Carl Lagerfeld, really hot off the press and pop apologist. Incredibly. <laughs> Oh, wait. Okay. So getting back, going away from Housewives of Salt Lake City, someone asked how – so I, I'm asking this question because I want it to lead into something else. But they someone asked how you met and fell in love with Chris. Okay. And as a follow-up to that, I want to ask you what your advice is if you want a man to fall in love with you. Because I will say to our listeners – Angie has a certain power over men and it's just, it's a fact of life. It's like the sun warming the earth. Mm -hmm. It just, there's something really positive that happens between the one and the other. And I just think that if you can infuse our listeners with any secrets for how you are as bewitching as you are beyond just being stunning and having like an incredible personality and (laughs) all the things that people are attracted to, we would love it. Yes. Oh my gosh, you guys. I'm going to I'm going to Venmo you later for these compliments. <laughs> Truly. You guys are so nice. I don't know. How do I answer this without sounding obnoxious? The first question I'll answer that. I the first time I actually met Chris was at a wedding, but that was very casual. I had just met him. Someone introduced me to him. I he paid no attention to me whatsoever. So I didn't even think twice. Like we met, it was brief. I He gave a speech. I thought he was hilarious, but that was it. And then I want to say maybe a month later, he followed me on Facebook. I didn't think much of it. And then probably six months later, five months, he messaged me and just was like, hey, I'm getting a divorce. Could you give me some advice? I see that you're divorced. I'm like, yeah, you don't want advice. You just want to talk. Like I saw right through that. And still to this day, we argue about that. I'm like, you 100% did not want advice. He's like, yes, I did. I'm like, you have a million friends you could have asked for advice. Right. Get real. Stranger on Facebook. How stupid does he think we are? Yeah. And that's how we started chatting. Honestly, like I didn't realize his greatness for a long time though. Oh, really? It took me a while. I had a lot of baggage from my previous relationship and other relationships and I just was, I, I told you, I, I was a little boy crazy. And so I was having fun and I didn't realize his greatness for a while, but now I feel mm-hmm. really lucky to have him in my life. And then does that answer that? Yeah, no, that totally does. I think, I don't know Chris super well, but every time I'm at a, like a dinner or something or a brunch at Riverside that you guys are at and I'm around him, he just is super, he just is such like a quality person. Like you oh, can yeah. just tell his brain is operates at a level that very few people's does and he also is just so high quality and yeah I think you guys are totally a power couple match in that way Chris is salt of the earth truly like and like Lauren said every time I've been out to dinner with him he never lets me pay and when I do Venmo him he Venmos me (laughs) it it back plus a little bit extra like a cent to teach you your lesson yes and it's it's just he's just such a man of principle and I like I respect him truly Oh, that's really nice of you. Honestly, I, it's interesting. He's 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 hard for a lot of people. I think they are they're scared of him, which is funny to me because I think they just don't know how to read him. He's mm-hmm. very guarded for a mm-hmm. lot of reasons, mostly his upbringing, and then I think 
kind of his position that he's in today. He's a very guarded person, but he is so kind, so humble. And when you know him, he's really hilarious, but he is a very much a man of principle. You're right. Like I remember my girlfriend, her husband is really good friends with Chris and his advice to her when they first met was like, if you're ever in a jam, you call Chris Harrington. That is the first person you call. So he honestly, he's his greatest asset in our relationship is he like, he's the, he's a problem solver. He solves all my problems. He makes my life so much easier. Wait, can I tell you a sweet story about Chris that I'm not sure. So this just came into my brain, but there was one time you went on a trip to New York with Courtney and like that gang of friends. Mm -hmm. This was like back in the day, I would say when the cis gang was- was At its height, like wearing sequins and and stilettos to Sundance (laughs) on a Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Iconic. (laughs) <laughs> it was another era, but you guys went to New York and she was on a red eye and something came up that you weren't on the same flight as her. And she was like, yeah, like Chris doesn't ever want her to like have to like, like do any, like she was like, he, he just wants her to always like, she said something like really sweet. Like he, she, he just always wants her to feel like a lady and she doesn't have to like stress out and like go on a bad flight or like just have life be in any way difficult. And I just yeah. thought that was like such a gentlemanly thing, like m- probably the most gentlemanly thing I'd ever heard. And I yeah. it always seems so sweet to me. Oh, that's nice. Honestly, I think sometimes I'm like, he'll go run a weird errand in the middle of the night for me, or he'll do stuff. And I'm like, that's so annoying. I'm sorry. And what I didn't realize for the longest time is to him, it's nothing because he grew up with a mother that was a drug addict. And as a kid, he was having to like revive her from death all the time. So it's just little tasks like that are nothing to him. Like if I'm sick and he's caring for me, that's nothing because at least I'm not on a binge. You know what I mean? So I think that's honestly what he's been through makes him really special. Yeah. I feel really lucky to have him in my life and my boys feel really, they don't remember life without him. Oh, I love that. He's really good to the kids. He gets along with my ex-husband and yeah, we, it's not perfect, but it's good. So that's how I met Chris. It took me a while to fall in love if I'm being honest, but now I love him more than any I've ever loved anyone. So And then your other question, oh, boys. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know. It's funny because you guys know Jenna. She asked me this the other day. And I don't really know how to answer that. I think I have a really playful nature. And Mm -hmm. I think that can tend to draw people in. I think Mm -hmm. whether it's like I'm being playful with children or men or whatever, I think that's one of my gifts. I'm, I'm fun that way. Sometimes I cross a line and like I'm too unfiltered and I say too much but whatever and then I I think that I think with men I'm pretty old-fashioned so I would always do you guys remember the book the rules yeah oh our mother gave us copies (laughs) yep I swear I I am not that rigid because I do think there are various types of men but I would say in my experience for the most part Mm -hmm. If you follow those old fashioned rules, that's definitely going to put you at the best advantage. It's not foolproof. Yeah. But I do think a man needs to chase a woman for the Mm -hmm. most part. That may be an unpopular uh, opinion in this day and age. And then I also think that I think it's playful. You got to be playful and interested enough in somebody 
But anybody overly interested, that never works. I think desperate girls get 86 always. Totally. Yeah. You cannot be desperate. even And, and it's so hard because sometimes it goes against every natural feeling you are every natural feeling you are feeling in that moment if you have to drive yeah. by anonymously a hundred times that is so much better than calling <laughs> you know like at least yes. you won't know yes it's so, so true I just know the few times I've been desperate it ended like it <laughs> ended I, I like when I was dating my first husband the first time we dated twice I remember I had danced my entire life and I was going to try out for the second year on the college dance team. And I went to my mom. I'm like, mom, he and I were dating. I go, mom, should I try out for the team? She's like, this is the worst advice, mom, you almost ever gave me. She's like, no, you would never want to miss one of his football games. So I go, I know, I know. You can just (laughs) see the writing on the wall. So I tell him that. I, he goes, Aren't, isn't today dance tryouts? Aren't you trying out? We've been dating a whole three weeks. Stop And it. I go, oh my gosh. no, I would never want to miss one of your football games. And his <laughs> face was like sick. I think he broke up with me like a week later. I am not kidding. Like talk about desperado. So that definitely doesn't work. I learned that the hard way. He broke my heart. And then we dated again two years later. But Anyway, so yeah, you can't be desperate. I do think, I think a pretty girl is enticing at first, but that doesn't keep a man. I think a pretty girl is a dime a dozen. I think what really keeps a man is a smart intellectual conversation. You've got to have depth. And I think that, I think for the most part, not all men, but one thing about men I do know is they need to feel needed and they need to feel like in some way they're your hero. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, just enough of a damsel in distress, as long as it's authentic, mm-hmm. is important. So there is something, and I think I'm not saying roles have to be specific to specific right. gender by any mean, but I do think in a relationship, roles are important. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's two well, men, two women, a man and a woman, I think it's important that there usually is somebody who needs to feel more more like the A and more like the B, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's also okay to say, find someone you really admire and then make it clear that you really admire them and make them feel like you really look up to them because hopefully you do look up to the person that you chose to be with. So there's nothing wrong with trying to make a a guy or whoever you're with feel like you really respect them. Absolutely. I think it's so, sometimes it's so simple. It's so hard because relationships are hard, but it's so simple. Sometimes they just want to feel adored. And I think where problems start to happen is when someone in the relationship feels overlooked. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So question for you. Yeah. Sorry. You're fine. Interjecting. So you said, imagine always chase you. This reminded me of, and my question for you is, do you still keep Chris chasing you? Because when we were kids, our mom would literally not pick up calls from our dad and tell us that she would literally say to us, like driving in the car, we're like in her minivan or whatever, and she and our dad would be calling her on her cell phone and she wouldn't pick up and she would say, girls, you never deny a man the pleasure of being the hunter. <laughs> Your mom has a point and that's exactly what I was saying. I think that is important. You hope you pick someone where you get to the point where you're comfortable enough. That's not something you need to do. <laughs> However... Yeah. 
there are times where I do think it's good for them to want it a little more. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I just think a little bit of cat and mouse every now and then keeps things fresh and exciting. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, like right now, my husband and I sleep in different bedrooms, and I think it's the best thing for our marriage. Why? <laughs> because, okay, so I have horrible insomnia, and we're, luckily we're, we're able to because we have a guest room and that yeah. works for us. But I have horrible insomnia ever since I had the baby. The hormones oh, just no. went out of whack. And so if he – and he's a snorer. So that combination, oh. I just don't get sleep. But yeah. honestly, I feel like it's been kept things sexy for us because it's like he comes and visits me in my bedroom and we keep things very separate. But when we are together, it's very nice. Honestly, I think it's the greatest thing ever. I'm like – I'm okay if we just continue this way. And I can comfortably say that because – we're a very happy couple, but I mean, your own space and it's like, kind of nice. Sleeping, it's yeah, especially if you have insomnia. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but I think you do have to play the chase. Look, we have date night once or twice a week, and I still get excited to put on my makeup that day, throw on my push-up bra, curl my hair. It's fun for me. Sometimes I'll put on lashes, and I just think it's fun to keep things sexy and spicy and. Totally. I don't know. I, I hope I always feel that way. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah, I think it's like continually like being excited to see your partner is so important and not just seeing it as like routine, like your exactly. marriage or your relationship. And, and that takes active work. And to yeah. his credit, he is really great at continually trying, continually trying to impress me and mm-hmm. make me happy. So I have to give a lot of that credit to him because if he wasn't that type of a man, maybe I would feel less enthused about keeping things spicy. You know, I know that doesn't work for everyone. So can I ask how, like, how has COVID been? Like, did you have heart before COVID? I I did. Okay. Yeah. He was like 11 months old when COVID hit. Oh, okay. 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 My like memory so foggy, but like, you know, like being at home, Chris working from home, you working from home, like, and you're used to like going to Starbucks and like, you know, like having like your own space to work and everything. So yeah. how was COVID with, with all that? Well, first off, having Heart Harrington was the hardest thing I've, I've done in a long time. Well worth it. That goes without saying, <laughs> so obviously. Cute. But Honestly, like we were used to our routine. Chris travels a lot for work. Yeah. When my ex had the boys, I would travel with him. We had a lot of freedom. We were in a great space, honestly. And having heart has changed everything, which we actually love it. He is like mm-hmm. the light of our life. He is the glue that holds our family. Chris is such a darling dad. He is obsessed with that baby. And I hate to use the word obsessed because it's overused, but you know, God works in funny ways because he looks exactly like Chris Mm -hmm. and Chris didn't grow up in a stable environment at all. He has no baby pictures. And here's this baby that is just his complete clone. And so he's, he almost feels like it's been really healing for him because he almost feels like he, he, he was this baby so vulnerable and he gets to love on heart the way he feels like he didn't get loved, which is amazing. So it's been a, it's been pretty healing. It's brought up some emotions for him that have been hard, but that's kind of the best way to get through things is to walk right through the pain sometimes. Right. Totally. And so COVID COVID's been fine. Chris um, has started. It's, it's not easy with boys. Let me tell you, having a toddler and teenage boys (laughs) is the most exhausting thing I've ever done because 
The baby wakes up at 5.30. The teenagers want to go to bed at midnight. Uh And it's just like they are on such opposite spectrums. The minute heart's winding down, the kids come alive and they want help with homework. They want you to cook them a meal. And my, I have like, my days are like 17 hour days. Like it's just, just, and I'm kind of a stickler in the sense that I've always wanted to like raise my own babies. And, and I know there's not a lot of people that have that luxury. So I realize how fortunate I am. Um, and so I, I, you know, Courtney and Jenna talked me into getting more help than I'm typically used to, which has been huge. But um, it's been challenging. It's it's been really hard, like honestly. But it's so worth it. It's awesome. COVID's hard yeah. with a toddler. He is the busiest toddler on the face of the earth. <laughs> One of those kids who's going to change the world or blow it up. So we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's so sweet. And it's just fun to have, like, I'm sure for Roman Cole to have like a new baby, you know, to like oh, they, love on and interact with. They're darling. They're like five minute babysitters, but they're darling with him. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm like, oh anyway. Rome always taps me on the back and is like, being a parent's hard. Love you, mom, and then walks out. (laughs) I'm just like, just wait. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So they're it's so fun, but let me tell you, it is hard. And Chris turned fifty one this year, so you know, we're definitely not spring chickens anymore. Do you think you'll go for another or do you think that this is that that your your family is complete? I think we're complete. I always wanted a daughter, um, but I have to say, the, with the the insomnia, I think took it over the edge. I just don't think I yeah. can do it yeah. again. You know, the minute I found out Hart was a boy, Chris looks at me and was like, "Okay, baby, this." I told you he's a problem solver. He's like, "We are gonna get us. We're gonna get. Um, we're gonna go to get IVF. We're gonna gender select, and you can get a surrogate or you can carry it, but it's gonna be a girl." I'm like, "I'm fine." Like. I'm fine, Chris. So I'll sweet. be fine. But he's cute. He always yeah. just wants to solve my problems. But it's fine. I, just, I don't see a healthy baby as a problem, obviously. Yeah. Most, most guys would be like, okay, okay, baby. We're going to get a neighborhood kid that you can babysit <laughs> once a week that you can get really close to. That's a girl. I love that Chris is like, we're going to do IVF, for gender selection, surrogacy. It's incredible. I know. He's the best. He's awesome. I was going to ask you guys. I know your audience is very like – reality tv based right yeah yeah who's totally. your favorite housewife of all time Ooh. oh that's oh i i mean this is a knee-jerk reaction for me but i think it's true dorinda she's so really? good i mean i i don't i don't want to i want to be lifelong friends with dorinda like and i have like with the understanding that she might hurt me at some point <laughs> but i just think it's worth it like what room would you stay in okay at- uh, what's that place called again? Manor? Bluestone Manor. <laughs> um, I definitely not the fish room. Um, although the what fish room. The basement? Um, oh, the remodeled basement, right? Isn't it like renovated? Like <laughs> the lower level. It yes, is the lower, lower levels renovated. <laughs> but I, I think Hannah's room is really bright and airy. Yes, Hannah's room. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, Dorinda's oh, so, so good. She's Who's yours, Lauren? Great. Um, okay, so for pure entertainment value, I think that there is like no font that runneth over like there is, like Ra- what Ramona has given us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think just pure, just from like shock value and just, uh, she's just so interesting to watch. And I think that's why she's an OG that's lasted this long. Um, so Ramona would be my favorite that way. But I think as far as like housewife I'd want to hang out with or like be, 
I think that it's a tie between Carol Radziwill and Yolanda. And I know it's like not Lauren, to give three, but I have <laughs> never met anyone who feels the way I do on those two. Really? Yes. Like people I'm don't like shocked. them? No, that that those two are literally my two favorite. Oh really? My God. The Yolanda so and Carol Radziwill. Just because I feel like I could actually hang out with those two. Totally. Yeah. Wait, did you guys see recently that that Yolanda has found love? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, she's been with this guy for a little while. I okay, I didn't, years. I didn't see it. I didn't see it till literally this week. Someone sent it to me, um, and I'm just so thrilled for her. I like it. It brought a tear to my eye. Absolutely, she does. I mean, talk about a good wife. Yes, the lemon chicken. The lemon chicken and the level of commitment to just like loving her man mm-hmm. and trying for her man. And I feel like she just kind of got dogged on twice. Yes. Wait, did Angie, they, did you me? watch the David Foster? Sorry, yes, Lauren. I oh, no, did. I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but like, what was your reaction to the David Foster documentary? It was hard to go in. Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? I have mom brain right now. With a clean slate because I know totally. people who know David Foster. Mm-hmm. So without any judgment in mind. And I think people love him and think he's got a great like uh, charisma to him. Mm-hmm. But uh, just it, it, it's obvious. You know, everyone knows it. I, th- I think he's a womanizer. And right. that's, totally. that's always a struggle. And so I don't know. I think Catherine McBee's darling. And I hope it works out for those two. I'm sure he's he's a great man and talented, but I do think that's a a big challenge for him, you know, the yeah. ladies. And well, and I don't know David, honestly. I've seen David in the flesh one time. Yeah. Um, but I know people who know him. So anyway, but I just I you know, he's extremely talented and sometimes when someone's so extremely talented in one way, they're very flawed in another. Yeah. You know? That's a generous way of putting it. Um, I feel like I feel I felt like when I was watching that documentary, I was just watching a bunch of people on his payroll, like talking nicely about him. <laughs> and like, and I was just thinking, how much did he have to like convince his children to be like, tell them you love me, <laughs> right? Like it's okay that I was a bad dad. <laughs> That's the thing, you know. I can understand relationships can be complicated, but like, I don't always understand you know, not being there for your children. However, I do think men get the shaft sometimes when it comes to custody and women Mm -hmm. kind of controlling children and trying to manipulate them against their father. So I don't, I don't know the inner planes there, but. I mean, I think if we just like, if we're just looking at it purely, the statistics, the math of that, of at least David Foster, um, I mean, there's just like, I can see one ex-wife and one kid situation being negative, but the fact that he like basically kind of left like a whole smattering of kids like across Southern California, uh, just with their moms would indicate that, you know, exactly. Well, and the hard thing was I felt bad for the daughter who like wants his attention and he's having another baby. That made me sad. He was like, I just don't really have time for her. I just don't really have time for another one. 
Listen, I have seen him at El Pasteo on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> you did. Oh my god! I have so seen funny. him. I'm like, if he can go to lunch at El Pasteo, he could pick up the phone and call that daughter. <laughs> Gosh, invite her to pasta with my. But I love Yolanda. I love Carol Radswell. I met Gigi once, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you did. The first thing I said to her, I was like, I love everything your mother stands for. <laughs> and yeah, she like, looked at me like, you weirdo. <laughs> I wait. How did you meet Gigi? And tell us. I was at uh, the the Santa Barbara Polo Club, and she was there too on like a Sunday afternoon watching polo. And this was kind of before she shot it like huge, and she was just the face for like Tom Ford makeup. And I knew her from Housewives, and um, so I just like went up and talked to her, and I like I don't know why I put my arm around her. (laughs) That is amazing. And, and that is the smallest waist I have ever felt in my life. Really? Oh my gosh. She has the tiniest waist. But um, yeah, I just was like, I love everything your mother stands for. I called her Gigi Pretty Girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she, I mean, she is so gorgeous. And I just love, I love like, I love, like you can tell that Yolanda walks the walk by like what great people her kids are absolutely like, even as the top supermodels these are like wholesome girls absolutely yeah. and you know my brief encounters with Mohammed, he is a really nice down-to-earth person too so i think Gigi and bella have really great parents yeah who yeah they're like devoted parents too i mean to compare them to david foster exactly yeah. did you guys see the poem that Mohammed wrote for Gigi's baby no no Oh yeah, he like wrote some p- poem and like you know it's just it's it's almost like he has our mom's loopy handwriting like very very gorgeous uh, script handwriting. But anyway, he wrote this like very um, beautiful poem for the child being born, and then someone took a picture of it, and this was before the announcement w- came out. So that's I think how the story broke. But anyway, oh, I think wow. he posted it on Instagram, and it was like you've just come onto the earth, like yada yada yada. And so, do you know what I love is when he'll post like one really close-up shot of his eye and be like, I'm watching over you, my children. <laughs> it's oh, so good. I'm, I, I, I'm looking at one right now. It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. Amazing. Anyway, I know. Oh so funny. How was the British royal thing with Andrew? Did you guys – I loved hearing Andrew's take on the royals. Oh, it was. You mean like recording the episode? Yeah, I loved that episode. It was. I mean, I think that Chandler and I love having guests, and we love talking to people. Like, it's just so fun to get a third perspective, like a third point of view. And Andrew just has like as like a closet royal file. So yeah, it was so great to talk to him. Yeah, it was amazing. Good. I love it. I've done some deep dives on the royal family. And there is like oh, you've crazy stuff out yes. there. Yeah, yeah. Wait, do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. I don't care. Just don't put me in a QAnon category. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What what conspiracy do you believe the most? That's about hard. The, ro- the royals, right? Okay. Yeah, I royals. I spent an entire afternoon. Well, I spent a solid month deep diving on the royals. I know that's embarrassing. It was during um, <laughs> it was during COVID, so I just went yeah. deep. And there is some crazy stuff out there. What, and you know, some's factual, some is like people think they're lizard people, and that right. there is no evidence to base that one off <laughs> of. But um, the one that surprised me the most was how the 
uh, Prince Charles and Prince Philip's relationship with Jimmy Saville do you, or Saville. Do you guys no. know who he is? No, I don't know who he is. He, so he was a really famous personality in the UK. I would compare him to like maybe a Dick Clark in the United States. Very beloved. Yeah. Um, kind of that morning DJ. I think he was a DJ or did like a show kind of like Dick Clark, something about the pop hits and music or something. Okay. Anyway, the Royals were really close to him and everyone was always kind of surprised, you know, cause they don't let a lot of people in. Right. And after he passed away, I want to say 400 or something victims came forward about his pedophilia and sexual misconduct. Oh, no oh, way. And is it negrophilia when you are sleeping with dead people? Yeah. Necrophilia. Yeah. Like he was what? a scumbag. Yeah. And I'm he was one of Prince Charles. Really I just good saw friends. a line that was like 400 lines of inquiry based on the testimony of 300 potential victims. I mean, one or two victims, you can go, okay, maybe they're lying when it's three. I'm sorry. There's what? just, so that surprised me. Dive into that. Cause that is shocking. Okay. And then, um, there's, did you guys know there's a warrant for Queen Elizabeth's arrest? No. Okay. Okay. You sent me a link to this and I would, please, our listeners need to know about this. Okay. I am not the expert, so I could get something wrong, but I heard that and I was like, BS. So I started researching it. It appears to be true. I could be wrong that she, she and Prince Philip, I want to say when they were in like their twenties, thirties or forties visited a Canadian orphanage and it was a lot of, I, I think it was refugees or something. There were just a lot of children that were orphans. And they're from a specific part of the world, and I can't remember where. Okay. But they went and visited, and 10, they selected 10 of the children to go um, on a picnic with them. And those children never returned. What? Look into it. And, and that's not why they, there's a warrant for arrest. That's not why there's a warrant for arrest. But there is a warrant for her arrest for something about there were like 50,000 bodies buried. Was that it, Lauren? You know, I actually was thinking of the orphanage thing um, or the children when when you alluded to that. So I assumed that was why she had been – there was a warrant for her arrest. But this is something totally different. Maybe that's why there's a, war, a warrant for the missing children. But I think that same orphanage or something linked to that orphanage, they found like 50,000 dead bodies, like buried. What? I know. It's weird. Look into it. Because I, I was super suspicious about it. And then I read it and I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, there's there's a guy who gives testimony that those kids never came back. But the kid thing is like, when I looked that up, I, it seemed like it was like all verified sources that this is legit. It's super crazy. Exactly. And and I do think there is an actual warrant, which makes it legit, you know? Yeah. Like the police have investigated. Exactly. And so that really threw me off. And then a lot of the Princess Diana conspiracy stuff is really hard to prove, obviously. But that's probably the one I believe the most is that um, it, it was an inside job. Maybe. Really? I'm 50-50 on that one. And do you think they had her killed because she was pregnant? No, I don't personally. I actually, she could have been. I don't, I don't know enough about that one, but sorry, I need a drink of water. <coughs> Diana just chokes me up, guys. <laughs> I was Princess Diana in the fifth grade wax museum. Who wasn't obsessed with her? Oh um, I wore a Burger King crown. <laughs> I'm dead serious. No, but what's weird about her death is that um, 
I need to double check to make sure this is factual, but I think all the camera, the city cameras within like a four mile radius or something, were all not working that night. Really? Which is super weird. And they also didn't take her to the closest hospitals. They took her to like four hospitals away. Oh, this is so crazy. And I don't know if that's because that hospital specializes in something specific, if that's a very exclusive hospital. There could be a lot of answers to those questions. But there's just a few things that don't quite add up. And I think about, you know, on a much smaller scale, I am, I am in no way comparing myself. But I think about when Chris and I, you know, we have a driver in New York that takes us places and picks us up from the airport and we'll call last minute and he'll come take care of us. Yeah. He is so professional and it's just like he would never, he, chauffeurs and drivers, if they are good, their entire career is based on protecting you and serving you and keeping you private and keeping you safe. I have a really hard time believing that this guy was just wasted. But maybe he was. They checked his blood alcohol level. So I don't know. Maybe he was. It's just hard for me to believe that he would have gotten wasted when driving Dodi Fayed's son and the Princess of Wales. It just, yeah, it feels like extremely senseless and reckless. Yeah. Like a not a very reckless world at all. I do know he was called in last minute, though. So he may have already like been drinking. I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. So there's just things that don't quite add up there. You know, I think there's so much more to the story as to why Harry and Meghan left. Okay, like what? Um, that you, you know, can share. I don't know. Did did they know that the family had ties to Epstein and they didn't want to be attached? Did they right. know that um, supposedly the Duchess of York, like Warren Mer- Meghan Markle, there's really deep, dark secrets in this family? Um Interesting. Like Camilla, is Camilla the Duchess of York? Uh, Sarah Ferguson was oh, okay. Andrew's wife. Okay, yeah. Um, suppose uh, Princess Diana told a friend, and the friend has come out and talked and said that Princess Diana was extremely uncomfortable with Prince Charles's relationship with Jimmy Savile, mm-hmm. and basically that the family was sick. I don't know what that means or what she's implying there. It's just, it's, it's hard to break it down. It's hard to know. And then there's also the MI, there's supposedly, this is hearsay, but that there was an MI6 agent that on his deathbed confessed that Diana was an inside job and Prince Philip ordered it. So, I mean, the thing about this stuff is like, if someone had said, okay, like it's also rumored that Prince Andrew was on Epstein's pedophile island. No one would have believed it. No one would have believed it. Lo and behold, like a photo comes out and it fully comes out. Like not all of these stories are wrong. I know. And that's a hard thing. It's like, that's why it's like, I'll listen to anything, but I'm not going to take anything as factual unless it is factual. Right. You know, so it's tough, but you know, you do your own research and you make your own conclusion. Right. And I mean, a family with that much power, like there's going to be some skeletons in the closet. Oh, 100%. I think so. I think that because when you have that much power, like you just feel like you can do whatever you want. And it's only, I think, like literally in the last four years, three years that people in power have been like taken and held accountable. And it started with Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And I think maybe we could just be like get, we could just have touched the surface of the royal family. Oh, for sure. And do you know what's so funny? I remember Chris and I, or maybe it was just Chris, I can't remember. We were on a vacation in the Bahamas, I think it was, on a boat. 
And the tour guide was like driving us and showing us like, I, I think it's like, it was Jeffrey Epstein's Island. And he was like, oh, and that's the billionaire Jeffrey Epstein. He's like, you don't want to know what goes on there. And it was just like, at the time mm. you're like, oh yeah, right. Uh-huh. Some billionaire with pet- that's a pedophile. And no one would have believed it. And and people always say, well, how, how come we don't know? How come we don't know? Think how long we didn't know about Jeffrey Epstein or Harvey Weinstein, right. you know? And how many people close to him just kept their mouth shut? And and that's the thing. People around them knew, but they're not going to say anything. Right. So yeah. I do think the whole idea of secrets can't be kept is not true. Right. But I, you just have to be smart about what you believe. And But yeah, the royal stuff's interesting for sure. Some truth bombs. I got to go research this stuff. (laughs) What Um, do I know? I'm a peasant. I'm a commoner. Stop. Um, Angie, thank you so much for coming on. We've kept you for almost, we're almost going on an hour and a half. So we should probably let you, you know, go back to your life as a wife and mother. But thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun. Thank you. Thanks, ladies, for having me and letting me get a break from my children. (laughs) <laughs> anytime anytime you want to come on you're welcome yes please okay perfect i'd love to anytime okay all right bye. bye girls bye that's all for now folks don't forget give us a five-star review hit us up on instagram at pop apologists and we will see you next week live every wednesday Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Beerley and I'm Jennifer Chaikin and we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psychobabble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you, because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.